The side pick and look at the moves, look at the twist, look at the turn, Cozzy! 144 career goals, haven't seen him since the end of 2019. Franklin from 52, it's coming, it's coming, it's home! Of course it's home! The big buddy's back! By Smith, blitz on, corner the tackle, didn't handle or kick it, Bailey appealing for the free, nothing! Clear the area! Gee, it was a good tackle. There's the tackle. Did he handball it? No. Hello, and welcome to the Last Call podcast. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. He did not make that handball. My name's Jamal, and I'm joined 137 kilometres away. Ash Hetherington, how are we doing? Oh, wonderful. I have returned to the sunny land of... Victoria, the uh, the Dan Tater ship, if you will. <laughs> the land of Dan. The land of Dan. Dan land. Like Liquorland, but Dan. Well, it's funny that you say Liquorland, given that he may actually have been Blotto when he fell down the stairs. Which, again, I think I said it on the podcast, or it might have been off air, but is that not such a sick PR move to be like, yeah, I was absolutely fucked off my face i've had a brutal 12 months got hammered and fell down the stairs is is he not like ingratiated by everyone like yeah fuck yeah that's my premiere yes absolutely although it does raise questions for whether he can continue to claim his paycheck probably if it was a self-inflicted intoxicated injury and that's true, but... Um, so, I mean, from a purely financial aspect, it's probably a good idea to lie. But you're right, it would be a good, probably, PR move to say, I'm just like you, I do stupid shit when I'm hammered. Yeah, it's like the um, Brenton Favola thing where you're just like, well, yeah, he's I a... Don't, I don't think he was running around Parliament House going, chicken wing, chicken wing! Yeah, wing! Yeah. Although I'd love to see it. No, um, thinking of... Dan just running around and being fucked off his face and interrupting every interview going on in Parliament would be a sight to behold. <laughs> Streaking through question time. <laughs> That's very true. Um, fuck. Footy. Round two. How'd you, how'd you find the round compared to last round? Um, oh, I've got footy fatigue. What are you fatigued? <laughs> Is that enough? Time for, time for the mid-season bye. No, it was um, all right. I think it peaked early, which probably didn't help my... Well, I think the two peaks were Friday night and Sunday afternoon. So there was probably a lull in interest for me through the middle, Saturday-wise. Yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't much going on. Saturday was kind of just a wash. Friday night was a really exciting game. I quite enjoyed Thursday as well. And then Sunday... Just, yeah. Sunday was good. Sunday afternoon was match of the round for me. I know that um, Brisbane Geelong was closer in the end and was very intense right at the end. But I think for the majority of that game, it was probably wasn't that close and wasn't that tense. It just got tense right at the end. Yeah. And in all fairness, Brisbane should have won it, but like, yeah, West coast and the Bulldogs was a real seesawing affair. Um, Especially for somebody that managed to have, the Bulldogs going at $8.50. No, the, the Eagles going at $8.50. <laughs> to win. And um, 
when Bont kicked that goal right at the end, my heart sunk a little bit, but. Oh, mate, I am uh, just to take you behind the curtain, listener. Um, I'm absolutely washing ash in the last call tipping at the moment. I got eight. Uh, you got eight. I got eight. I'm tipping, tipping. I did not get eight. You did not get eight. Um, let's, let's I forget. I would have got six ish. Um, I probably uh, tipped, tipped West Coast. I would have tipped St Kilda. Five. Probably tipped Carlton. Oh, you tipped Carlton, you tipped St Kilda, and you tipped the Eagles and the Giants. Did I tip the Giants? You tipped the Giants. Oh, that's that was an error. That's that's a big error. Grim. Um, but yeah, no, eight. I'm happy with eight. Who did you I, miss? I missed out on the Saints. Ah, yes. Yeah. I'm I'm still surprised that Melbourne are actually Kind of up and about this year. Yeah, no, I so far. Yeah, that did surprise me. But um, I can say with utmost confidence, going early with a some betting advice, put the house on St Kilda this week. Ah, oh, they're playing someone. They're at dismal. Like, oh yeah, um, they're, they're playing the Bombers this week, which is oh the Bombers. <laughs> All right, should we get into this? I've, I've created a segment. Um, just, just for the, just for our sanity and the listener as well, um, called seven plus or minus two minutes of bias. Um, seven-ish minutes of bias. Seven-ish minutes of bias. Here's the sting. I honestly feel like the Panthers are on top. The run of the play, I feel like they're doing better than the Melbourne Storm, but the Melbourne Storm have been able to keep the scoreboard ticking. <laughs> Nothing says bias like Phil Gould. Rumour has it that Phil Gould was still saying that when Cameron Smith was on the podium getting the trophy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did you want to start since I feel like yours will be over relatively quickly? Um, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really got too much out of the game Saturday from like learning anything new wise. I think nine goals is probably generous to Essendon um, in terms of where we're at and where Port Adelaide are at. Mm. Um, I didn't watch the game horribly closely and haven't punished myself enough to go back and watch it uh, as a replay, but yeah, no, we just struggle in the middle. We struggle to score. But I think the most important takeaway, unfortunately, is the three injuries to key players. Brutal. Like, yeah. key, key players. Very like, key players. Sam Draper is arguably the player we could least afford to lose. And he appears he's going to be out for eight to ten weeks. Sheesh. Jai Caldwell said hamstring six to eight weeks. So that's a pretty severe one. And Dylan Shield has to go in from for an arthroscopy on his knee. Hmm. He's got a meniscus tear, so that's no. yeah, it's just only going to take the Bombers from struggling to really struggling. Stringer's a chance to come back this week, which would be good. Um, Guelphie and Zaharakis aren't far away. Heppel missed the game with back tightness, and it will probably miss again this week, which isn't good. But look, I think. As we've discussed previously on the podcast, blooding as many games into the kids 
and establishing a clear game plan are probably the two objectives for the year rather than winning games. Yeah. Well, the I can't remember. Cox, Cox and Perkins played last week. Cox and Harry Jones have played the first two. Yeah. So um, I think the other one, Perkins will get I think, a run. I, yeah. I think Perkins and Nick Bryan might get a run this week. Yeah. Um, Nick, Nick Bryan is the Ruckman. Uh, and then I think it's Zach Reed, who was the number 10 pick. Yeah. That I don't think is quite ready. But who I knows? I might get a run with all the injuries that you're going through. Um, That's a good point. I might get a run. Yeah, mate. <laughs> so he's, there's a reason he's back in town. Um, and it's because he's uh, been picked up by the Essendon Football Club. Yes. Yep. If you didn't think tanking existed, think again. <laughs> Um, any other takeaways that you wanted to add to the Bombers? Not from a Bombers point of view. Um, no, not really. We can talk about Port Adelaide once we're out of the bias phase. But um, Just to gloss over it real quick, are we sad that Orazio kicked two goals three? From a podcast perspective, we're sad that Orazio only kicked Grim. two goals. Yeah. Grim. I was, I, that was the only thing I was keeping tabs on. I was like, three goals. Come on, Raz. If it if it helps, there was one more leg that didn't get up because we had Peter Wright to kick a goal, but he plays for Essendon, so of course he missed his twenty meter set shot. That sounds about right. It's a very Simon Taylor effort of him. <laughs> uh, yes, he he went full Nick Maxwell. Ooh. Ooh. All right, Hawthorne. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to the game. Had a lot of fun. Honestly, I was just happy to be there. I text my dad who's in China at the moment. He was like, you're a dickhead. We're going to lose. I was like, yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> um, really good day for it. Hawks, young, um, very inexperienced. The Tigers are just tough. We Every time we scrap for a goal, the Tigers would literally just walk through the center and kick the next two. Um, but we kept it competitive. Our defense was really good. Um, there are a lot of bright sparks to come out of the game. Unfortunately, Will Day copped an injury to his knee. He'll be out for an indefinite period of time. Has also got a meniscus tear, I believe. Oof. Oh, that's not good. So, yeah, probably looking at six. Six to six to ten yeah. before he gets six back to ten, probably. Um, and in the uh, VFL game that was happening before the match, our number four pick, DGB... Denver Granger Barris also um, suffered a knee injury, which isn't as bad. Um, they're thinking hyperextension, but still not good. Um, positives for the Hawks. There's, there's some there. <laughs> I was talking to the guy next to me. He was like, there's something there. Um, CJ looks really good. He's, he's, a, he's a weapon. He's going to be something serious. If he can learn how to kick the football, yeah, he was, he was definitely a shining light um, and something that you wouldn't have picked up because you weren't there. But the difference between Channel 7's commentary last week and Hutto commentating this week, he actually knew his name. Ah, so no rather, C- rather than just calling him CJ. Yeah, no, everyone around us, um, it went from CJ to the Siege. Yeah, well done, Siege. Good Siege. Um. But yeah, he had one moment of just, I'm a young kid. And it was him one-on-one with Dustin Martin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, he was having an absolute belter of a game. I was like, this is all yours, CJ. This is all yours, mate. And then he 
jumped like three feet off the ground two minutes too early and then Dusty just stood there and just <laughs> took the ball. I was like, oh. Um, I think he, I think he thought the same thing that you thought and thought this is his day. Yeah, he can take a hanger on Dusty and make the highlight reel. And well, like, must have been five minutes earlier. You got the ball in the pocket and fended off Dusty. I was like, yo, this man is real. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, Brockman, Brocky looked really good at Ford. Um, Tim O'Brien and Justin Kaziski are the same player, I feel like. Um, Justin Kaziski? Jason Kaziski? I don't think it's Jason. Fuck, who is it? Hozzy. Must be Jason. It's definitely not Justin. He played for say, St Kilda. Yeah, he did play for St Kilda. Um, maybe it's Josh. Josh. No, it must be Jason. How do I not know his name? Kazitsky Hawthorne. <laughs> ah, well. Anyway, um, we will be very looking forward to um, Mitch Lewis making a return soon. Um, Jacob. Jacob. Jacob, that's it. When he was a J.A. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, big boy played all right, but um, actually – Going on something that we talked about last week, um, tagging Dustin Martin, um, Alistair Clarkson gave Sean Burgoyne that task and Sean Burgoyne being um, 45 years old, couldn't keep up with him, which is fair enough. Um, And even when he went back, Dusty had his number. So, Um, But there's something there two years from now, if we keep going at the same rate, we got some good players. Walt played his 50th. He was good. Um, and Mitchell just got 35 touches, as he usually does. So, Having said that about Burgoyne, I think, and I know it sounds ridiculous to say, but Martin only got 28 touches and kicked one goal. So, like, it, he's never going to be able to shut him down completely. But even if you restrict him sort of by five or ten possessions and make sure he earns each one of those possessions and they're not free-flowing, yep. completely uncontested, I think it's still worth it. That's no, true. Uh, it, it did take Silk out of the game, though, who is our probably best distributor by foot. Um, yeah, that's true, I guess. I mean, it is obviously a trade-off. but Yeah, yeah. it's what you're going to do. But um, that's all I got in Hawthorne because I think I've just gone for five minutes. So, um, I um, Just to add to that, I thought Sam Frost was really good down back as well. I thought our defense um, was really good. Frosty was good. But he took so many intercept marks. There was a passage of play there. I reckon it was maybe in the third quarter that every time Richmond went inside 50, they just kicked it straight to him. Uh, that's, it happened the same on the other end, though. Uh, I'm sick of Grimes and Bolter. I've had enough of them. They're everywhere. On that note, transitioning out of the seven-ish minutes of bias, mm. how could anybody possibly have seen Richmond's transition from Alex Rance to Noah Bolter coming? He's been unbelievably good. It's like it's like the handoff from I don't know if this lands with you, but from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, where the um, the Packers just had um, Hall of Fame level quarterback play for just twenty five plus years, and you're just like, oh, this premiership team is going from probably a you know 
Hall of Fame fullback to if he keeps going like the way he is and he just re-signed another Hall of Fame fullback because he is so good. He's so good. Yeah. And, I mean, as strong and as much vaunted as their midfield and forwards are, I think the departure of Rance is probably the, the main area that had the potential to really disrupt them and um, take away from their chances at winning future flags. But Bolter just has stepped into that role almost, as, if not as good. Yeah, no, he's he's very good. He's very agile. Um, he's probably he's so up there. athletic. Yeah, he's up there with um, Darcy Moore in terms of just pure athleticism and like a ball-playing defender where he's just like, he's not there to stop the man. He's there to get the ball kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good attitude to have, right? It's like, if I have the ball, then obviously you don't have the ball. <laughs> there is, in fact, only one ball out the field. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, instead of looking at them and trying to just stop them, if you try and get it yourself, like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's... Uh, um, and I, I was trying to think about who were the best, like, man defenders versus, like, obviously we have this um, uptick in, like, ball-playing defenders. I think um, Bolter, more. I think Harris Andrews is a really good ball-playing defender. Um, like who? Jeremy, who, Jeremy like, McGovern. Who's the most recent? Just like stick to your man and nah. He, he's not, he's gonna get about four touches a game. Um, but like the full fourth gonna do fuck all. Um, yeah, I mean, because honestly, I think Ben Rutten, like that far back. Jeez, yeah, it's, it's going back a fair while now. Hey, um, I mean, if we're going back that far, we can go Simon Prestigiacomo. Oh, well, well if we're, if we're saying Simon Prestigiacomo, <laughs> Mel, Mel Michael. Jonathan Hay. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, just, yeah, thinking of recent really successful sides, it's probably one of those roles that, has gone the way of the dodo a bit where one side start playing more team defense and more zone defense. Mm. Um, <clears throat> because a lot of the, like a lot of the time you're swapping between men, obviously and playing more a positional role saying I play fullback, yeah. whoever comes through there rather than saying I'm playing on him. Yeah. So yeah, it is probably something that's gone out of our game a bit, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's still got its place. Yeah, uh, it depends on the forward. Like, um, I don't know, unrelated, but Jack Rewell kicked four, I think. Just like the, yeah. the sneakiest four. Um, yeah, two of them were handball receives in the goal square. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Kale Hooker a few years ago was very, very good man defender to the point where he was an all-Australian mm. fullback just playing on those beasts every week and would tower like Hawkins and Tex and those big power forwards up. Yeah, go He'll on. Let's talk, about tax. Let's talk about the return of the full forward. Big- hey, he, uh, for a bloke in a losing side and a comfortably losing side at that, to have nine shots a goal and kick six. Six. Sheesh. He's back. He is back in a big way, the big Texan. He looks svelte. He looks athletic. He looks young. He looks hungry. Oh. Um, and, and it's really good to see. Yeah. I mean, they did get smashed by a Sydney side that I'm not sure is traveling hella good. And I'm not saying um, this is 
round two overreaction for sure, but sheesh, Sydney. I'm not saying I called it, but, you know, they're not going to be 14th. Um, they've got a lot of good young players. Logan they do, McCoy. but as we know from histories of sides that are relying on very good young players, when the season gets a bit long in the tooth and the going gets tough and the going gets wet and heavy mm. and um, two or three months of the, those young bodies getting smashed into every week, um, sides like that do have a tendency to drop off. History does show us, but yeah, they, they have started electrically well. They do look good. And um, Buddy, on the score sheet for the first time since what, 2019? Yeah, how, how good how good to see him um back up and about on the way to a thousand road to a thousand i reckon i hope so i really hope so i reckon probably not this year even though you know that was one of my hot takes at the start of the year but i, I reckon next year we'll probably kick 20 or 30. i love the stories have already come out today and yesterday but will buddy back up next week He's played one game in like 550 days. I reckon he can probably play next week. I was going to say, he's had a bit of time off. Like he's, he's, he's had his rest. Um, it's not like they're playing back-to-backs. Yeah, and if I know anything from parents of young children, it's that he'll be desperate to get into state for a night or two. <laughs> yeah. Leave, uh, Jacinta, leave Jacinta with the baby and say, sorry, I've got to go to work. Yeah, what was the kid's name? I didn't catch that. Uh, Rocky, I think. God. I think um, Jordan Lewis accidentally revealed it on SEN. Oh, oh, could he, just he was he was being interviewed by Gary and Tim and talking about his good friend Buddy and said, "Yeah, they've just had the baby, Rocky," and and they just went, "Sorry, is that its name?" Whoop. He, um, whoops, take that back. But yeah, I think Rocky. Yeah, sorry, just a quick drive-by, and I love Jordan Lewis for everything he's done for Hawthorne, but Jesus Christ, he is probably one of my least favourite analysts in the game. He's, right yeah, he's not great, is he? He's, he's pretty grim, but, you know, um, yeah. he'll get there, maybe. Yeah, um, doubtful. Maybe. But, no, I have enjoyed the, the um, articles in the past week, but... Tussle between the Hawks and the Swans. Who will get Buddy's father-son? Oh, good God. That kid could grow up and be <laughs> a fucking ballerina for all I care. Kid's five days old and already the subject of those articles. I love it. Yeah, it's like what happened when uh, Chris Judd had his kid. He's like, oh. Carlton the West Coast. West Coast. And he's just like, the kid's just been born. Like, chill. <laughs> How old's Oscar? Uh, Oscar? Oscar Judd? Yeah. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, I think it is. Oscar. But I really, I couldn't tell you. I um don't follow the Judds particularly closely. He's nine. Jesus. Well, must be light and self kick. I didn't score an invite to Judd Cheller last year, unfortunately. Ah, shame. But he's uh, a bona fide West Coast supporter. So, even though they live in Melbourne. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, I, I probably would be too if I'd grown up his age and had to pick between Carlton and West Coast. Yeah, you're just like, well, bottom of the ladder or fighting for finals. Or perennially, perennially good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably West Coast. All right. Um, speaking of Carlton, while we're here, any any anything on Collingwood v Carlton? 
to start the round. I thought Collingwood were really good. Yeah, Darcy Moore. Darcy Moore. Dagoe had an absolute fire first half and then kind of dropped off, but he looked sprightly. Yep, I, I think Dagoe is primed for a big breakout year this year. Um, Darcy Moore, very good. I think Grundy was good again. Yeah. Um, Side bottom. Somewhere welcome. close to his best. Very welcome. Very welcome. Side bottom. Um, and then on the Carlton side, yeah, they're struggling. Plowman was real average. It's come out that Paddy Cripps has been playing injured. Um, Quite injured because I, I did see they, they've they lost Fisher and Martin for the next six weeks. Yeah, I think it, it's one of those things that is playable, but he's just going to be playing in pain mm. and probably not at 100%, which... I mean, everyone who plays for Carlton plays in pain. Yeah, well, that's true. But it's <laughs> one of those things where it's, it's tough because you're like, well, I mean, it's probably a valid excuse. But also, if you're running out as the captain of a football club, you've got really no excuse. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, um, I thought that, that was a reasonable indication of where I thought those two clubs were before round one thought Collingwood were better than they showed against the Bulldogs and Carlton probably not as good as they showed against Richmond. Yeah, no. And I think this is going to reflect on, I, I just go back to my ladder and I'm like, I could probably comfortably swap Collingwood and Carlton right now. But Carlton eighth. I was like, ah, yeah. I thought they'd do something, but here we are. I mean, that's one of those things and for all teams, but especially those teams in that sort of six through 12 bracket yeah. injuries and momentum play such an important factor in that. Like, you could easily go from sixth to twelfth if you have a rotten luck with injuries and lose some games that you probably shouldn't lose. And oh yeah, if you just lose three on the slide, then yeah, you're stuck twelfth. Yeah. You're sliding down the table. Um, all right, the the big one, Geelong v Brisbane. Umpires, umpires. What what did, what did you think of the call at the end? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a mistake. It was. Um, I don't think it was malicious, obviously. But, yeah, it's just one of those things when you're umpiring a, an intense Friday night game in Geelong and you've got a screaming crowd in your ear, um, which they probably haven't had that much of in the past 12 months to make, not trying to make an excuse, but it was probably a different atmosphere for them, sort of. And, um. And as glaring and as bad as that looked because it was right at the end of the game and because it cost them a goal and because it cost them the game, those sorts of non-decisions happen 20 times a game. Yeah. if Both sides. It's still a mistake, but I mean, that's not an isolated one. That's just been blown up because of the situation and the implications of it. Yeah. No, 100%. Because there's, as you said, there's 20 of those a game. And if, you know, and it comes down to the end of the day, like if Brisbane deserved to win, they would have, you know, won the game. I, I don't think you can boil it down to that decision because they kick poorly on the night. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's one of those things that you, you can analyze every situation as if this happened, then this. And if this happened, then this. But also if we did any of these things right, then it wouldn't have mattered. So, yeah. No. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that's the messages that the coaches are telling them at Brisbane that yes, you probably should have won, but never try not to put yourself in positions where you're relying on umpiring decisions in the final 30 seconds to win you the match. Yeah, no, 100%. Um and Brisbane off to a a slow start. 
Yes, yeah, but I mean, I think people make too much about. I think people make too much of sides going zero and two and zero and three. Yeah, uh, Geelong like, do that every year. I swear to God. Yeah, four points in March are worth the same as four points in June. Yeah, um, especially, and this is a good segue into it, but especially now that it's come out with the fixture change that Brisbane's last four games will be in Brisbane. Really, I did not see that. They really because the fixtures. No, they have. Well, no. So the fixture for the whole year has been released in terms of days and grounds. Yeah. Or weekends and grounds, just not times. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, so they were scheduled to have three of their last four in Brisbane. But Thursday night's round three clash between Collingwood and Brisbane has been swapped to Etihad or Marvel. Yeah, because um, because Br- Brisbane's in lockdown. Um, so what did you think about Luke Hodge and Wayne Carey and some of the supporters having to leave the ground? I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's one of those things where you're just like, ah, and not to get super cliche, but it's just like, it's just the times we live in, you know, it had real, um, 11.30 Novak Djokovic vibes where they made the crowd leave. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Halfway through the last set, they're just like, well, lockdown's in half an hour, so you guys have got to leave. Yeah. You can you can stay, but if you try and leave at midnight, we will arrest you and fine you for being out after curfew. Yeah, it's just like, well, it, it's like when you close a bar and I literally always yell out, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> And then just put closing time on, yeah. <laughs> on the stereo. Hey, every fucking week, I swear to God. But yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty... I think in previous years, a fixture change like this would have had people up in arms and going, well, this, this isn't fair. This is an imposition. This is this and this is that. But after last year, people are just like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, well, and that's the thing. They're, they're very accommodating because they're just like, well, at least the season's still here. At least we get yeah. to go. Yeah. And the biggest imposition really for the Brisbane players was that they didn't bring enough clothes and they had to go shopping Monday morning. Yeah, I think I saw Fagan being like, yeah, I only brought four pairs of jocks. So I'm going to have to go find a laundry. Like, oh. Right. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were not, some nice sponsor picks of Charlie Cameron and Mitch Robinson out at the Nike store. Uh, yeah, out in Melbourne Central. Mm. Doing under, the right. under, under the clock tower. Yeah. Oh, what is it? Shot tower. I think it is a shot tower. I've been out of Victoria for too long. Don't worry, I'll reacclimatize. You're about to be reacquainted. Um, yeah. Speaking of Victoria. I'll be a Melbourneian soon. We have an all Melbourne clash, St Kilda, Melbourne. Melbourne pulling it out. St Kilda, kind of nothing. Um, Melbourne 12 19 to 11 7. 12 19. Yeah, not not good, is it? Um, yeah, I, I didn't see much of this at all, and the snippets I did see, I was quite intoxicated for. So, <laughs> um, other, other than noting Zoe Nevitt standing there watching with sort of big bug eyes yeah. trying to watch Melbourne win, I can't offer much in the way of analysis. That's all right. I'm just going to pull up the stats real quick because how, um, fucking 12, 19, Jesus Lord. 12, 19 under the roof. Yeah. That is, 
Yeah, what's that? Thirty-one shots to what did you say? Twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, twelve-nine. Um, but yeah, but Jesus Christ, not much going on for them. Fucking hell. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I think I spoke about it last week and said Max Gorn is probably the most important player of the whole round, given that both St Kilda's ruckman are out. Yeah. Um. And obviously, I don't know how he actually went, but if they had 31 shots a goal, I'm tipping he did all right in the ruck. Oh, here we go. Hit out. And, Max going 40 to Paul Hunter, 13. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, after an underwhelming round one, clearly Big Maxi pulled his finger out and really got on the charge. Yeah. Um, gave first use to Clary Oliver and Petrarca. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Oliver with 37 touches, Petrarca with 30. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, difficult to win, I think, against Melbourne when those two combine for 67 touches and Maxi has 40 hitouts. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to get into rounds 6 to 10 because I feel like when I hear St Kilda lose to Melbourne, I'm like, wow, St Kilda really aren't turning up this year. And, you know, I had them at, what did I have them at? I had them at 6th and I was like, whoa. I had them 5th, I think. Season. But, like, literally it's been two rounds. Yeah. I, I feel the need to overreact to everything. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I think Melbourne probably have the potential to be a good side. I think they've definitely got the players to be a good side. As we saw, when was it, 2016, when they really turned it on and made a prelim? I just think in the last few years, they've probably been inconsistent. Not enough of their good players have played well all the time. Yeah, you have good years from some. Like Petrarca will just have a banger of a year every year, but then like Stephen May doesn't turn up for a year. And then Oliver yeah. doesn't turn up for a year kind of thing. And then like Tom McDonald hasn't had a kick since that year they made the prelim. Um, Oliver, yeah, Oliver's struggled a little bit. Jack Viney's been up and down. Um, Brayshaw's been injured for a lot of the last two years. Mm. So yeah, they can get all those players on the park then yeah they've definitely got the talent there to be a, a real finals contender and um do some damage there but as we just said like probably any in that gap from the Bulldogs St Kilda Melbourne Collingwood they can all beat each other on their day and could depending on their run with injuries and their run with form could it is a bit of a battle. it is a in bit any of a any combination or permutation oh good old Sue Garner with the uh Herms and Combs Oh, no, I had uh, old, what did I have in year 11? Natalie Draper. Right. Oh. And then uh, Delwyn, Delwyn Oliver in year 12. Ah, uh, Delwyn Oliver. Um, yeah, and then the other Saturday night game, nothing to report. North Melbourne is shit. Um, got their fucking ass handed to by the Suns. Noah Anderson looks like the real deal. Um albeit versus North. He had 37 touches, I think. Kicked a couple of goals. Um, that was the only thing I took away from that game because, good God, grim. Yeah, 35 touches and a goal. And that's about it. Nothing else. Nothing else notable yeah. in that game. I, I can't say that waking up hungover Sunday morning... My first thought was, I'm going to go watch North Melbourne Gold Coast. You reckon that would cure your hangover just by being that bored? Well, it might help because it would have put me back to sleep. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's, 
Yeah, fair um, shit. All right. Well, let's. However, however, trying to watch some of the skills might have made me vomit. So. Oh, that's that's fair. watching Jed Anderson try to kick a ball. Um, In fairness, it, it was less of a hangover and more the fact that I got up quarter past five Saturday morning to catch my flight, and got to bed about quarter past two. Woof. So it, it was about a twenty-one hour day. Yeah. Fair. Um, we've we've all had those. It was yeah. Is it, it's always going to be a long day when you arrive at the bottle shop at about 11.30 p.m. <laughs> correct. Very correct. All right. Let's move on to the game of the round. As as said by Ash, Western Bulldogs, 14-16, Western, Western, West Coast Eagles, 14-9. Um, absolute perler of a game. I caught the second half. Um, because I was at Hawthorne, Richmond, but I went to the Asian Beer Cafe to catch a last half. Mm, um, yeah, it was one of those matches where, I mean, going into it, you thought if the Bulldogs should blow them away based on midfield alone, but if West Coast could manage to break even in the middle, then they should be able to get over the top simply because of their really good back line and really good forward line. Mm. Um, and to be honest, at different points in the match, it looked like the Bulldogs were going to win easy, especially early, and then West Coast sort of pegged them back. And then sort of towards the end of the third quarter and the start of the last quarter, it looked like West Coast were going to pull away, um, but they couldn't really put the nail in the coffin and the Bulldogs just hung around, hung around, and then eventually got over the top in those sort of last three minutes. Yeah, no, I thought... In, in clutch time, um, the Bulldogs midfield pulled out something serious. Um, Dunkley was good. McRae was good. Norton was good. I had no idea who this Norton guy was until I literally watched the last half of that game. Norton was pretty good. He normally can't kick for goal. And, I mean, in the first half, his goal game was pretty atrocious. But he nailed a couple of real big ones in that second half. And, yeah, he was good. He... Um, runs and jumps at the ball and gets quite high. So yeah, he was. He was yeah, he was everywhere because he kicked the goal um to put him in front before I can't remember who put West Coast in front before Bont kicked his goal. But then he was like after Bont kicked his goal, he was at center half back. Like he was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah the West Coast Fords threatened to take it away. I think Kennedy kicked four Never looked like missing until he missed one with sort of 10 minutes to go, but I think kicked 4-1. Yeah. Jack Darling, I think, kicked three. Liam Ryan was very good. Yeah, flying um, Ryan. That was a good game. Such a I good don't think can't be underestimated how much of a difference it makes to West Coast when their two big forwards are two of the best kicks for goal in the game. Oh, dead straight. Dead like, straight. Josh Kennedy and Jack Darling are both in the sort of probably top five or 10 kicks for goal. Whereas you compare that to somebody like maybe a Geelong. Oh, actually, Hawkins is a pretty good kick for goal. But somebody like a Brisbane, mm. where they've got Eric Hipwood and Joe Danaher, who both could not kick to save their life. Hit the fucking side of a barn sometimes. Hipwood is brutal sometimes. Like that, it's massive, especially in modern footy when you might not get all that many shots at goal. Kicking 7-2 as opposed to 3-5 or 3-6 is it's like... It's not just like match changing, it's season changing. 
Yeah. No, and I think, yeah. um, albeit his uh, run-up, Josh Kennedy has to be, like, top 10 all-time, like, kick for goal set shot. Yeah. No, he's he's very good. I think I'd probably have him at second if I needed somebody to kick for my life. Or maybe top three kicks for goal set shots to save my life. I think one would be Dusty. Two would probably be Tipper. And three would probably be Josh Kennedy, I think. Tipper as in? McDonald, Tip and Woody. Right, I was like, Kurt, Kurt, Tip it? No, no. Um, It's the one aspect of his game that is usually immaculate. He's a very, very good set shot. Yeah, no, Um, I I think Dusty's a good shout. I'll say, I I don't watch enough of Tipper. I'd have Luke Bruce. Just just because Luke Bruce once kicked 29 straight goals. See, uh, I find it funny. I think even that year that Luke Bruce kicked 29 straight, he wouldn't have even been the Hawthorne player I would have trusted most to kick a set shot. I think Jack Gunston that year was a freakishly good set shot. He still is. He uh, still is, but like... He's not on the fit. Yeah, no, I probably agree, to be honest. Um, yeah, I do remember that streak where Luke Bruce kicked ridiculous amount you know i remember he was going for 30 and then he kicked it out in the full so it didn't count <laughs> um yeah. but yeah who, who else played really well um who's number 34 for the bulldogs oh like, bailey williams he it, had an incredibly good his last five minutes were unbelievably good took a couple of intercept marks um one really big spoil yeah no he was really really good right at the end and um, um, for the Eagles, and, well, Dom Sheed was really good at the end. Yeah, Dom Sheed in the first half had his own ball. He just had it on a string, um, which is good because Gaff was quiet. Nick yeah. Nat was good without being electric. But, yeah, I think they they do really miss Elliot Yo and Luke Shuey in that midfield. Yeah, that's some big outs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shuey might play next week. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in the end, the difference was one man. Um, if you can call him only one man, but the the Bond, Bond, he's 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 had so many moments. I was watching. You remember that goal he kicked against? Was it Melbourne? Um, in that Ford pocket where he's just weaving around. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's on his. He's basically on his back. Mm. Most insane yeah. goal I've ever seen. No, he kicked three really clutch goals, including one on his wrong foot. Yeah. No. Um, he, where do you rate him in terms of just best player in the AFL? I'd probably he, have Dusty as one with a bullet. He's really steaming his way to number one, isn't he? I, it probably depends if we're going just on their day or by consistency. I think Dangerfield on his day is still probably there simply because he's really, if you need him as a forward, he is tall enough and marks well enough to play as a forward or he's lightning quick out of the middle, very good contested and also has that sort of intangible ability to will his team back into a game and sort of just say, follow me. Yeah. Um, I think for a similar reason, Nat Fife is probably... Cannot say. um, No, that's true. He's also been playing very much forward in the first two games this year. I don't know if that's a structural thing or an injury thing. Yeah. Yeah. especially with Michael Walters out, maybe they feel like their midfield is sort of comparable or competitive, but their forward line isn't. 
I don't know, but I think if I had Nat Five, he'd be playing in the middle all the time. Yeah, as he should be. Um, and then, yeah, again, on their day, I know he's only played one game in a year and a half, but Buddy can still do things that other people can't. Yeah. No. Um, but, yeah, the, the Bont is definitely charging into that conversation, as is probably Christian Petrarca. Mm. Though I think the Bont's got a bit on Petrarca. Actually, one thing before we get on to GWS Freer, I wanted to get your take on the Gary Rowan suspension. Um, yeah, I, for what it's worth, I think um, Lockie Neal probably flopped quicker than the Geelong physio did for him. But um, it's it's a tough one because really the only way that he could get off was if Lockie Neal said, no, he didn't hit me in the face. And if he said that, he would have got charged for staging. So, Well, Neal, like, basically pushed him first, but it, Gary pushed him back, but Neal's shorter than Gary, so he just clocked him at the bottom of the chin kind of thing. So, Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's something that has been drilled into us since, like, under 10s. It's like the retaliator is always the one that gets, gets caught, right? Yeah. So, I mean, no, no real sympathy in that regard. Um, but, yeah. Well, and like that... He, does... play, he plays, plays for Geelong. They don't really care about March or April. That's true. Um, only when it gets to, you know, September. But that transitions nicely into... What did you think about Sam Reed? Sam? Yeah, Sam Reed. Was it? Yeah. No, not not the same Sam Reed that once graced the cover of AFL Live. That's what I thought. I was like, doesn't he still play for Sydney? Um, yeah, Sam Reed on Nat Five. Now, what did he get? Two weeks? He did get two weeks. I mean, he was probably unlucky in the fact that he was pushed. But I mean, he did brace and he did hit him in the head and he did concuss him. So there was really no scope for the AFL not to suspend him for two weeks. Um Again, it goes back to Al, and it feels like it's going to be the perennial conversation in regards to the MRO that they're suspending on outcome rather than on intent or action. Um, he braced, he hit him in the head, he concussed him. There's no real grey area to say, well, he didn't mean it. If they're consistent, then I don't, then, then fine. Yeah. And in fairness to them so far this year, they have been. The only least, thing they've been... Uh, actually, no, they've been consistently bad. That's yeah, what... They're always, they're always consistently bad. But, like, anybody that's been hit in the head and concussed has been suspended. Like, even the AFL poster boy and Brownlow favourites. So, the AFL... Make no mistake, the AFL didn't want to suspend Dangerfield. Um, no, no, but they, they had to. They had to, and they did, so... Three weeks? Sheesh. Yeah. I think in this regard, at least, you can't really accuse them of being inconsistent. Whereas in every other regard, you can. Oh, with every other rule. Um, deliberate out-of-bounds one is just getting ridiculous. Actually, that's something I wanted to get your comment on, both in terms of the deliberate out-of-bounds rule and just generally. Hmm. Um, obviously, I haven't been to a game of footy since 2019. How did the deliberate rule hold up in front of a crowd? It was. Like, were, there, were there any controversial ones? Not not at our game. Um, I know there there were a couple over the round, 
As, as, I yeah. feel like it's Thursdays and Fridays, but standalone. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, di- I didn't mean in front of a crowd. I meant being in the crowd. Oh, being in the crowd, it wasn't that bad. There were a few calls where I think the one call that's actually really starting to frustrate me is the guy who gets the ball pinned to his side and still gets called for holding the ball. Kyle Hardigan was literally lying on the floor looking at the umpire with his hands up. And yeah. uh, it must have been like Jake Arts or someone was just like pinning the ball to his side. And he was just like, I, I don't have the football. And I know we discussed this last week and it's about the person who dragged in the ball, but like he, he, he actively tried to punch the ball away and he's just sitting there like, well, I don't have it. Like, ah, still holding the ball. I'm like, oh, good God. That's such a, it's a grim call, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, I'm, I'm not backflipping on my stance, but I think they're enforcing the uh, stand rule quite well. Um that's quite consistent across the league from what I've seen. So that's really nice, but everything else is just pretty grim. Yeah. Um, and on that, from a crowd perspective, like being live at the game is, does the stand rule hold up? Do you think like it does? I think, I think it's going to be one of those things where everyone just accepts it. It's like any yeah. new rule change where you're just like, well, I think it's dumb, but you know, if the players accept it and eventually the fans will accept it, it's like this, um, uh, What's the last rule that everyone was up in arms about? Uh, Probably diving at the knees. Yeah, contact below the knees. And there were a couple over the weekend that was like, yeah, that is the rule. But And there was like, I think the prime example was Josh Dunkley like got down and went for the ball. Hmm. And the Hawthorne, uh, sorry, West Coast guy just ran into him and he got the free kick. And so the rule was brought in for like the slide, the Gary Rowan slide. Yeah. I still don't think you should be penalized for like getting down on the ground to get the ball. As long as it's not a reckless get down, like Dunkley was just bending down to pick the ball up. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, Well, that's the thing. Everyone adjusts. Um, And I think to be honest, I think the biggest issue with the stand rule is similar to that in that um, if you were like starting to play the game, it wouldn't be an issue. Like if you starting from scratch, be too hard of a rule but just like moving sideways and backwards and running off in different patterns is such muscle memory for footy players and especially afl players that it's difficult to yeah they've been playing with the the idea that they can just move wherever the fuck they want on the mark for the last literally 15 years or in sean case 30 years yeah yeah so I think for people learning, like kids learning the game now, growing up with the rule, it won't be an issue in 20 years. Yeah. But for now, players are just like, well, this is so against everything I've been doing since under 10s. Yeah. No, which is, uh, they'll get used to it. But like, yeah, it is one of those things where I think that's actually the rule that's been enforced really well. Um, the yeah. delivery and I think, has I, just yeah. taken a life of its own. And I think I made that point last week that I quite like the stand rule, but I don't agree with the punishment for breaking the rule mm. i think 50 is too harsh but if players are, if players are obeying it and there's no penalties for it then it's fine yeah well and one interesting thing i did find um and it was in the very opening of the show when the i don't i don't remember who was commentating it might have been like brenton speed or someone um with the buddy call buddy did his normal arc and got called to play on which was um, 
Very interesting. Yeah, yeah the, buddy, the buddy arc is dead. Yeah, which is strange. Literally, the entirety of his career at Hawthorne was just like, well, he goes out on an angle, so why don't they call play on? And now they're just calling play on. Yeah. That's so strange. It's been, what, 15 years. Mm, it is. It is odd. Um, but, yeah, the issue is there, because they're being so strict on going sideways with it, if they don't call it for him, everybody will develop a buddy arc. I think everyone has. I think everyone's just yeah, lots, lots going off to the side. Yeah. One other thing I probably noticed, especially in the West Coast Bulldogs game, in regards to the stand rule, is because players are so desperate to get those 45 kicks inboard, I think we're seeing a, a bit of a um, regression to players instead of being willing to kick down the line to a contest, sort of trying to go backwards and sidewards and switch, trying to... Yeah get space on the other side so they can get that 45 kick in. Mm. I think definitely with West Coast, I don't know whether it's because the Bulldogs put up a really good zone or whatever, but they definitely, I think, went a lot more horizontally in the back half than I've seen a lot of sides do in the past couple of years. Yeah. So that could just be a watch this space to see if that is a trend. Yeah, no, I'm, that's that's one thing I am actually really excited for, to see the outcome of the uh, rule changes, especially like mixed together over the past couple of years. Like we talked last week, the 666 and the stand rule, like it has had a dramatic impact for just like slingshot football um, and people moving the ball on real quick. And it's created high scoring games. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the 666 because I, I think it might have to become just a constant rant for me that it's the stupidest rule in the game that you get a warning. It literally it's the, it's, it's the only rule in the game that you get a warning for, and it makes no sense. If Just, it's a rule, it should be a rule all the time, not from the second time you do it. I agree. I agree. It happened. When did it happen? It must have been Thursday night. Yeah, I think it happened to both sides Thursday, both sides Friday. I think it happened to one of the sides Sunday afternoon. It's yeah. just. And you're just like, well, if it's a rule, then just like pay the free kick, give Brody Grundy the kick. Like if yeah. um, Paddy Dow's lining up inside the center square because he's a dickhead, give Brody Grundy the kick. Like that's what it's there for. I like the rule because it opens up the field. But like, if you're not enforcing it, then they'll just, you know, take a warning. How many warnings yeah. do you give? Yeah, no, it's it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, and it could also, I mean, in an extreme case. Uh, well, I guess they still pull you up on it, but because it holds it up for like another 20 seconds, it, it could be exploited tactically towards the end of a game when a side's like, well, we've still got a warning. Yeah. We can buy an extra 20 seconds to get our players to get some breath back or an interchange. Actually, that's... Or, oh, go on, go on. Or the, the other thing that it does is means that the umpire balls it up instead of bouncing it, which... Yeah, true. Takes takes away from the like the inconsistency of it. So somebody like Nick Nat that really can exploit predictable throw-ups. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it will be because that's a, it would be a very niche exploitation to use under pressure. But I mean, there is the potential for it. Someone, yeah, someone like Clarko would that that'd be such a Clarko thing to do. It's like when the third man up rule. Um. That was the that was the downfall of Hawthorne, I'm convinced, is when they got rid of the third man up rule. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind the fact that getting rid of that coincided with getting rid of Hodge, Mitchell, and Lewis. Well, no, they Lewis was always the third man up, and they got rid of the third man up rule, and they're like, ah, we don't need him anymore. (laughs) That was your one role at Hawthorne. Exactly. He's like, ah, fuck him. Four-time premiership player. Nah, he was our third man up. Um, (laughs) But one one thing I wanted to get your take on was, fuck, what was it? What were we just talking about? Rules. Um, 666, throw-ups, exploiting. Oh, um, 75 interchanges. You think that's too few? No. Well, here's another reason where the AFL makes no sense because they introduced that to increase fatigue, right, which should open the game up. But then they introduced the sub. Yeah. It's too stupid for words. They're, they're like, very contrarian, the AFL. Contrarian with themselves. Yeah, well, supposedly that was the coach's rule that they demanded. Well, yeah, apparently that was the evil doing of Alistair Clarkson, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, I mean, leaving aside whether it was Clarko leading the gang or just whether it was the coaches in general, that was their fight back against the reduced rotations, but it's just like, why would you introduce those two rules in the same year? Yeah. Cause I think, um, I think it's always funny. What I've noticed is when I watch games on TV is that the commentators will always be like, Oh, we've got five minutes to go. And team X only has two interchanges. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> all yeah, right. It, that's a real sort of thing that BT could latch onto. Oh, it'll, it'll like it'll flash up on the screen. They'll be like, Collingwood oh. have no interchanges left, and BT will be going, Oh boy, Collingwood have no interchanges, and Steel Sidebottom is out on his feet. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's specifically this year, but I think the reduction in the last two or three years has definitely had a, a positive impact with players like Fife and Martin and Dangerfield and that resting forward. Ooh, um, it, it is good to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Should we absolutely, we're going to absolutely fly through round three. <laughs> I think we've got one game to go in round two. Really? Which one? GWS Freo. Ah, oh, we talked about Nat Five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think less of the discussion should be framed around Frio as impressive as they were and more should be the drums starting to beat for Neon Leon. Uh, he's he's out at the end of the year. For, if if he's not out at the end of this year, he'll... He just signed a two-year contract extension. He'll be their coach for life. It's starting to look a bit like that. They were just abysmal. Jeez. Yeah, no, they were tough to watch. They have nothing going on. Um, yeah. Especially with and, some key players out. They got nothing. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's enough on that yeah. third of a game. That is exactly how I feel about um <laughs> that is how I feel about GWS at the moment. All right. Quick picks. Thursday night. Collingwood Brisbane, Marvel Stadium. How are we feeling for the Thursday night? Um relocated game. Um, yeah, actually, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm. Who do you think's favorite in that game? 
now that it's moved, have they have they changed the odds? Well, I don't know. I didn't look until today. But uh, at Marvel Thursday night, Collingwood, Brisbane. I'd say the narrative's still there for Brisbane. Brisbane are probably favourites. Collingwood are a dollar eighty. What a Brisbane! Two dollars. Woo! That, that might be some money to get on. Staggered me when I looked at that. That might be some money I get on. Because Brisbane aren't bad. They've just had a. They, they had a I tough mean, opening. They played in a swimming pool. Yeah. And then had to play in Geelong, oh, which is Geelong. almost impossible to win at. I hate Geelong home games. I know it's their um, reason, but fuck Geelong home games. Geelong at Geelong um, and still should have won. Oh, they basically won that game. Collingwood got um, pretty comfortably beaten by the Bulldogs. And then I know they were more impressive against Carlton, but I don't think we should overstate how well Carlton are traveling. It is Carlton at the end of the day. We we get excited. I swear I've been excited for Carlton for the past three years and nothing has happened. So um, So there's um, there's a top tip from the boys at the... What are we? We're not the front bar. We're the last call. Front bar! Um, Wait. <laughs> I wish. Get us on the front bar. Uh, it, as long as you get the Mick Malloy, Kevin Bartlett haircut. Oh, mate, that would ruin my brand. Uh, you'd still have girls licking salt off your hand at 4 a.m. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, um, hey, I don't mind the Lions for this game. At $2? Mate, I'm on, yeah. I'm on, I think the... I think the Lions are, are good money. Um, Thursday night at Marvel, big Joey D under the roof. Yeah, maybe he'll kick straight. Maybe Hipwood and fucking what's his face will kick straight. Doubtful. Yeah, we'll see how we go. All right. Friday, we got two games. Good Friday. Oh, yes, the Good Friday blockbuster between the Kangaroos and the Bulldogs. I think the Bulldogs could win by. 15 goals in this game. North have looked absolutely abject and the Bulldogs midfield is on absolute fire to start the year. So what you're saying is it won't be a good Friday for North? No, it will not. That That is going to be such a cliche for the next 300 years, I swear to God. It will not be a good Friday for North. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I can see it being in the realm of 15 goals. Yeah. Um, and and just to add on a little bit of spice to Good Friday, we've got Adelaide versus Gold Coast in Adelaide. Uh, this is, while not a battle of the behemoths, obviously, it, it's a pretty intriguing game, actually, I think. Yeah, Gold Coast looked, all, uh, albeit they were playing north, and Adelaide have looked not 18th. <laughs> Again, and I haven't checked this one, but I, it just came to me then. Who do you think's favourites in this one? Oh, I'd, I'd think Adelaide by... I, yeah, I'd I would have... $1.90. I'd have Adelaide as favourites. Gold Coast are $1.81. Really? What Adelaide, Adelaide $2.04. Wow! Um, And just the updated odds in Collingwood, Brisbane. Brisbane are out to $2.05. Mate, you can make a good multi out of um, Brisbane and... Brisbane, Adelaide, Adelaide, Brisbane Adelaide multi four dollars eighteen. Adelaide sports bet. Oh, gamble responsibly. Well, yeah, gamble responsibly. 
Um, yeah, Suns don't travel well. All right, we're moving to Saturday, and I think this is a very underrated game. Richmond, Sydney. I think <laughs> you're all in on the Swans. I'm, mate. I called it before the start of the season, and they've won two games in a row. I'm calling Swans for premiers. Um, no, I think Richmond will win, but I think Sydney are there. But Buddy's favorite ground to play on is the MCG. Richmond will win by ten goals. Oof. Yeah, they're good. Um, as we saw. All right. Well, so speaking of spankings, St Kilda Essendon. Um, I reckon this could possibly be the worst game it that I've ever seen in the past ten years. St Kilda, St Kilda are not playing well. Essendon aren't playing well either, and they've just sustained all these injuries. I think St Kilda could play down to Essendon's level. This could be like a fifty to fifty-five to fifty type of game. The other thing Essendon games sometimes have a tendency to do, and I'm, I'm not saying it will happen, but we do have a tendency to be involved in shootouts. Mm. Um, we do occasionally, when we play really good sides, just throw defence out the window and sometimes win because it's like 130 to 124. Um, it happened against Geelong a few years ago when they were like a top three side and we were awful. We beat them because oh, it yeah. was it was just like 130 to 125 and we and managed to... is under the roof. So. And going going back even further, in 2000... And it was one of the years St Kilda was very good. The, the year that they played Geelong in round 14, when both sides were undefeated, and they beat Geelong. I remember that game. The Michael Gardner game. Michael um, Gardner! And then three weeks later, round 17, we played an undefeated St Kilda and beat them. Yeah. Nick Rewatt had a shot after the siren, missed, and I've never felt Marvel Stadium vibrate as much as it did that night. I mean, you, you've got what a solid forty-one in that in that ground. Um, is it forty-one? I wouldn't be quite forty-one, would it? What's seventy-five percent of fifty? Thirty-seven and a half. Yeah, about thirty-five. But yeah. Um. um but yeah, this, the Saints will win comfortably, I think. The, the only thing that they're struggling with is not having a Ruckman. Something which coincidentally after Saturday also applies to Essendon. Yeah, and and they probably have Essendon beat all around the ground except for... Yep. Laverde and... is still and... playing, isn't he? Yes. Um, He's a defender now. He'll probably win his matchup. Probably not. Unless he's playing on Dan Butler. Laverde. You're talking about the same person? Laverde is awful. Really? I thought he went all right. Oh, he played well against Hawthorne, but, you know, that doesn't say. No, he did. Oh, at least in the first half. (laughs) Mm, We all played well in the first half. Yeah, well, anyway. Um, Yes. Moving on. from, From the spanking at Marvel, we move to the West to game of the round. This, this has the chance to be an absolute eater of a game. Um, West coast V port West coast, albeit losing um, last round looked good. Um, 
And Port just looks solid. Port looks so solid. Um, yes, they, they have been very good the first two rounds, Port Adelaide, but you do know who they've played, right? Yeah. Uh, North and Essendon, 18th and 17th. That's true. That's why they are first. Yes. Um, but having said that, they have looked good. In Perth, West Coast are very difficult to beat. Um, again, we'll aim for a sports bet sponsorship and continue the thread going and say, what do you think the odds are in this one? Oh, I reckon I got because dollar ninety is usually the line, isn't it? Dollar ninety is about where they meet, yeah, normally. Yeah. So I'd probably have Port at a dollar eighty-five. Yeah, you're pretty close. Pretty close. Port Adelaide are a dollar ninety. West Coast are a dollar ninety-four. Ooh, that's about as even as um, head-to-heads go on sports bet, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you you can have them even, I guess, but. Yeah, I, I, um, I'd probably have those odds reversed. I reckon West Coast are probably slight favourites just because it's in Perth. Nothing wrong. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's uh. I'll say neutral field. That'd be an interesting game. Yeah, and it, again, it would probably depend what that neutral field is. Though I think both sides probably play well on fast, dry decks. Yeah. Um, um, with the, the Port Adelaide Mosquito Fleet and Big Dicks up front, Ratio, and then West Coast, obviously, the dry favours Kennedy, Darling, um, Oscar Allen, Nick Nat, Nathan Vardy. They're very tall. Jeremy McGovern, oh, Shannon cool. Hearn. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm really excited for that game. Am I going to be able to watch it? Yes, because I start at fucking 11.30 on Saturday. Yeah, you'll be in the Asian beer cafe. Are we at the pub? All right. Sunday. Easter Sunday. Jesus has written for Carlton Fremantle at Marvel. He might go back into his cave. Yeah, Jesus (laughs) is going to wish he never came up. (laughs) Um, This is just a game that will be played. Um Carlton, as I think I brought up earlier, have lost uh, Zach Fisher's beautiful mullet and Jack Martin for the next six to ten weeks with various soft tissue injuries. Um, Fremantle looked good against GWS, but GWS are GWS at the moment. Um, That being said, I do like... Fuck, what's his name? Sarah? Yeah, he looks Sarah good. or Chera or whatever his name is. Yeah. Sarah, Chera, good. Ca- yeah, Caleb Sarong's been very good. Hamish Brayshaw looks very good. It is Hamish. There's, there's too many of them running around. Angus plays for Melbourne. Melbourne. So I think Freo have got two, don't they? So they got a Hamish and an Andrew. They've got Andrew and probably Hamish. I think Hamish as well. Um Andrew Brasher is number eight. And then... Oh, they've only got one. Look at Andrew. Huh. So they... Who's Hamish play for? Does he play for West Coast? Oh, maybe. Who knows? There's too many of them. Um, um, but but yeah. yeah, no, they do look to be... Yeah, Hamish Brasher plays for West Coast. This could be a game... Carlton might go on three. Um, I know it's a marvel, but 
still, Fremantle have looked competitive. Um, and Carlton look, they look the same every year. They look promising and then they just drop off. Yeah, look, maybe, maybe um, this could be the, the winner gets Patrick Cripps next year cup. I think Carlton probably win by a couple of goals, but with no real confidence in saying that. Yeah, no, I think this could just be competitive just on the fact that both teams are pretty, pretty, Shit. pretty mid. Um, we move from pretty mid to very mid. Monica Oval, your old stomping ground. GWS v Melbourne. Um, Oof. Melbourne, Melbourne will be licking their lips just for a three and zero start here. Yeah, I, I dare say, in the words of the revised Canberra version of the GWS theme song, there will not be a big, big sound coming from Canberra Town Sunday night. No, um, GWS look so bad. They have yeah. absolutely nothing to offer up front without Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, yeah. Quick side note on that, actually, that I just brought up and thought to myself is the gws canberra version the only altered version of an afl theme song that gets played at a like at a home game did hawthorne or north play a different version in tassie do the bulldogs play a different one in ballarat i know because the when they um play at monica it does change from big big sound from the west of the town to canberra town yeah well that's just lame we're not a sucker for that sponsorship money. Having said that, the GWS theme song is one of the better theme songs. It for for an expansion club. It was um, before that Richmond GWS grand final in 2019. There was a big, big sound coming from Canberra Town. Let me tell you, everybody was playing that theme song. Oh, yeah. Um... I think Melbourne will comfortably win this game. Yes. I mean, you would think so, but having said that it is Melbourne. So there is every chance Toby Green will kick six and they'll get beat. That's true. I have absolutely zero confidence in Sunday uh, afternoon football and I just might miss, miss the whole thing. Yeah. Max Gorn could fall down the slide at Questacon. Who knows? And miss the game. That's true. He might go to the mint and, you know, fall off the top. Uh, he, he could get arrested at Mooseheads. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, last game of the round. Easter Monday special. Geelong v Hawthorne. Isaac Smith revenge game. Um, I have absolutely zero confidence in Hawthorne. Um, and I think Geelong will win comfortably. Which is hot take. It'll be closer than anybody sees coming. It'll be a real revival of the Kennet curse era. I, oh, did... I would rather us lose by six goals than us get close. And then Tom Hawkins comes out of nowhere and kicks a goal after the siren from 355 metres out. <laughs> I mean, no Dangerfield, no Gary Rowan. Um, yeah, It's only round three. Geelong aren't really up and about yet. Hawthorne, I thought, didn't look that bad against Richmond, to be honest. I thought we looked all right. If we could... I know he got beat quite comfortably, but I thought not too bad. If Tom Mitchell and Jaeger can turn it on. 
Yeah. We've just, we, we lack that kick in the, like the, um, the skills of obviously Hodge Mitchell Lewis from yonder days, but we just lack that penetrating kick into the forward line and it just gets turned over every time. So if we can, yeah, yeah, obviously, but, um, like, is Mitch Duncan going to play for Geelong? I think he's still out. I think uh, he he played a quarter in the VFL practice match. No, I think um, is it Jordan Clark. Yeah, yeah, he'll still be playing. He's in my super coach team, so he'll he'll still be there. But I I do agree. I think um, the back line. Jeremy Cameron's been ruled out. I think the back line at Grimes and Bolter way outweighs Lockie Henderson and what Colin Jasny and. Tommy Stewart. Tommy Stewart, yeah. Okay, so just reading here, it appears that um, Duncan will play on Monday. But Jeremy Cameron has been ruled out. So, mm. um, yeah, look, I, I'm not saying I think he'll win, but I think it will be closer than most people. It's going to be one of those things where it might be competitive just based on the fact that it's Hawthorne and Geelong. Yeah, yeah. This is old, old school rivalry type beat. I mean, all, all through that Kennet curse era and like you go back to West Coast, Sydney. Yeah. It was one of those rivalries that was always close. Yeah. And then even, I mean, all those sides were pretty successful through there, but just going to like a Collingwood Essendon example on Anzac Day, even when Collingwood were really good and Essendon were really shit, like Essendon were always a chance on Anzac Day because it just... Anything oh, no, but like legitimately, that was t- 2009, I think, the year Collingwood made the grand final. Yeah, and Essendon, I don't think, made the finals, or was that the year that that was the Lloydie killed was- Brad Sewell? Yeah, yeah, so we scraped into the finals and they made the grand final and we beat them. Like, funny things tend to happen in those blockbuster games. Yeah, no, I think it'll be interesting, but I think Geelong will probably win by five or six goals. and. I'll I'll come out of the game being like, yeah, there's something there. To the pub. Yeah. No, to um fucking where's it being played? MCG. I'm walking a hotel animal. Hotel animal. Yeah, it's the place opposite um my work, which I go to all the time and they give me discounts. So Right. There you go. Yeah. Any any listener that's at the game Monday, come to Hotel Animal, Jamal buy a beer. Yeah, that's true, mate. You might be there. Who knows? I might be there, but notice I did not say I would buy you a beer. Yeah, correct. And I might buy you a beer. I don't have a job. I'll say you've had a week. He's had a week. Um, do you want to do your votes in this round or the the next the next pod uh, the pod segment? No, we can do them now. I um, they probably won't come as a surprise to many people. That's all right. I've got a stink <sighs> for you. Excellent. That's astonishing. Oh. It's absolutely world class. Oh! He is floating on air now. Another classic Hutto call. Is that the sting for the good and the bad votes? This is just the the good. Oh, excellent. The bad one is the bad. Excellent. Okay. Um, the good votes this week actually start with an honourable mention. Mm. Um, honourable mention to David Mundy. 
the 35-year-old little train that could <laughs> collecting 35 disposals uh, at 35 years old. Phenomenal performance from the old fella. Um, really made GWS's, well, they're not really kids anymore, but much younger counterparts look second rate. Mm. Um, and in an obscure piece of trivia that I saw on Facebook a few days ago, I believe David Mundy is the first ever 35-year-old to collect 35 disposals in a match where the two sides combined for 35 points. That is such an obscure stat. Is it true? Did they combine for 35 points? Like total behinds? Total behinds? Uh, let's have a look. 21. They did. There you go. There you go. There you go. I don't think that's a stat that will ever be repeated ever again. <laughs> uh, hence the honorable mention. But no, then we get to into the proper good ones. One vote features for the second week in a row, Mr. Darcy Moore. Uh, very good. It was phenomenal Thursday night. 18 intercept possessions he had. Uh, and went at 90% efficiency for the night. Um, has put together a very, very impressive start to the year to the point where lots of pundits are having them as the best, having him as the best defender, at least the best key defender in the game. Yeah. Um, Two votes to a man that I think again featured last week in the votes, but was impossible to leave out. Six goals, three in a losing side to the big Texan. Um. The very uh, 1989 Norm Smith of him this this week. He yeah, it was very Gary Ablett vibes. Hey, uh. um, yeah, no, he he just looks phenomenal. He looks fit. He looks hungry again. Um, and he's kicked 11 in two weeks, which I'm not sure too many players would have kicked 11 in the first two rounds in the, the last sort of probably 20 years, to be honest, or at least 10 years. Yeah, I'd say 10. I think without without having checked that. Nah, it's it's probably yeah, probably around that early two thousands mark when you had your you know, your yeah. friend. I mean G Train G Train might have done it. G Train. Yeah, no Fev. Fev. Um and then three votes and it wasn't even really close this week goes to the Bond. Um Elise. I, I may have taken his dominance particularly to heart because my multi was really riding on West Coast getting up. Not the podcast multi. Just a personal little Ash Malty. Um, that, funnily enough, he was the one to sink it, but he was also included in there. He needed to kick a goal. So I was happy when he kicked the first goal, but his next two goals didn't thrill me as much. Mm. Um, but 30 touches, seven inside 50s, two goal assists and three goals. Yeah. Uh, he was phenomenal and, as I said before, was the difference between the two sides. Yeah. An elite. Just yeah, top top three in my books, I think. Yep. Um, so now time for the not-so-good ones. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call, tell everybody the truth. The man cannot. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And you even get ambient music in the background. <laughs> what was that last sting from? That was Billy Madison. 
Oh, it was too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think we're setting record a record for the bad votes this week. And to be honest, looking over my sheet here, it appears I might have been a bit lazy, but I swear it's not deliberate. <laughs> for our our one bad vote, we have another repeat offender. And the reason I the, the reason I say it could be a record is because I doubt the reigning Brownlow medalist has ever featured in the bad votes in the first two weeks of the next year. Woo! But Lockie Neal, do you know how many possessions he had at halftime? Oh, didn't he have like three? Three. Yikes. Three possessions at halftime and recovered for a startling 16 for the match. Uh, when your side really needs you, Cam Rainer's out after a sh- shocker in round one, as we discussed. Three and a half football is nowhere near good enough from the reigning Brownlow medalist, so he gets a vote. Two votes. It pains me to do this, and I argued with myself whether I would, but I have no real choice but to give two bad votes to Mr. Robert O'Gorman. Keen listeners out there may recognise him as a member of the umpiring fraternity. Oh. I I really didn't want to make this a segment where we give umpires bad votes because we don't have enough time. But when... When a player makes such a crucial mistake 20 metres out for goal that it costs their side a game, they undoubtedly get three votes. Yeah. So when an umpire makes such a howler that costs a side a game 15 metres out from goal, you have to get two, Bobby boy. Mm. And maybe it's because I'm a soft touch, but for the second week in a row, the three bad votes hasn't gone to a player. It's gone to a team. GWS get three and are lucky not to get six. Yeah. Nice. Grim, grim viewing. Um, for the match, do you know how many marks inside 50 Frio took in their forward 50? Um, 20? 22. Do, do you know how many GWS took? I'm going to say like six. Five. Five. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Who's their key forward nowadays? Exactly. Toby, Toby Green. Oh. Sure. Yeah. No, not good. Um, to be honest, they got toweled up and were lucky that Frio kicked badly. Mm. It was 32 shots to 21. Yeah. No, not good. That, that is an absolute shellacking. And for a side that has as much talent as they do, uh, there, there are serious problems at the Greater Western Sydney Giants, and that's 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 the votes. And with that, I think it's time to hit the most anticipated segment on the podcast. We give the people what they want. We're pivoting a little bit from regular viewing on the Nickelback segment. It's not an outrageously, um, disgustingly sickening sexual um, 
quote tonight because our editing team put in an official complaint about a hostile work environment through the week. <laughs> Hit a little bit close so, to home. So, <laughs> so, so we're just going to go with what I, as a Nickelback fan, deem as the worst ever Nickelback song to be released. And probably largely t- because of this particular what pre-chorus, I believe you'd call it. Maybe it's a bridge. Bridge. Well, it does occur, unfortunately, about eight times through the song. Pre-chorus it is. <sighs> okay. Funky little monkey. She's a twisted trickster. Everybody wants to be the sister's mister. Coca-Cola roller coaster. Love her even though I'm not supposed to. Surprisingly just strange and not sickeningly perverted. Don't worry, we'll be back to sickeningly perverted next week. Love to say it. It was, in fact, a song chosen at random. Yeah, Matt uh, goes into his uh, Nickelback playlist and just hits shuffle. And says, no, I, I have just, and helpfully for anybody that would like to do so, there is a playlist on Spotify. If you search every Nickelback song ever, you can just swipe through. Um, but, but yes, that is from Nick. That song is from She Keeps Me Up. Nickelback's attempt at disco. Oh, God. When Nickelback jumped the shark, as far as I'm concerned. That's where they jumped the shark, is it? So to play us out of this part. She's more than worth it. I swear she smells just like a flower. Ash, any last words? Um, she keeps me up. Keeps me up. See you in part two. <laughs>